Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right. It is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and I am Dr. Fuck with... Oh, yeah! The return the- of the Ayatollah of Alcohola. <laughs> Ian Godley is drunk on yes, vodka, sir. no less. Yes, sir. This yes, is like I am. This is like a new and, and improved drunkness. Woo! And Ian, I heard you missed me. I'm back. What's up? Ian. Yes, sir. Who we got with us? We got none other than Edwin kind of... Catastrophe? Is that or kind of? That's you always the, correct me on this shit. That's the no. That's right. If we're in the old country, it would. And be, we're in the old country. Fuck the new school. It's Catastrophe. You're in the fucking mob, or at least yep. somebody in your family was. Yep. Well, that's that's why I wanted to do the spaghetti incident because I'm a yeah. lot. So <laughs> <I can spaghetti. laughs> All right. You know what? You know what sound shit makes when it hits the wall? Wop. That's that's an old Italian joke I heard. It's terrible, but I heard it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I found out. Do you, do you know what WAP means? Yeah, without paper. Yes, I, yeah. I, I, I I learned that from an Italian friend of mine. Did yeah. you know that, Ralph? I did not know. Yes, uh, Edwin, you were with us this week because you so graciously donated to the Rock and Pod Expo. <laughs> and man, did you you pick uh, an interesting album this week? Holy shit! T- okay. Tell tell the listeners what you picked and why. I picked the spaghetti incident because, um, <laughs> like I told you, I was more interested in entertainment quality, uh, you know, entertainment factor more so than quality. <laughs> and, and you know, I was a big fan of that Use Your Illusion uh, episode. You know, I wrote that review that uh, Ralph liked a lot. Uh, you guys were just so fucking funny in that episode. And even though I loved use, I love the Use Your Illusion albums. Um, wow. But even though I love those albums. I, I, it was just such a, it was so funny that those episodes and um, it, I thought they were your two best episodes. So I thought, you know, I mean, like any sequel, this won't be as good probably, but I thought this could be like a sequel. Like, you know, it'd be good fun to kind of riff. And also it's, it's I mean, it's fucking Guns N' Roses doing fucking punk covers. And that just seems like it should open the door for a few good jokes and conversations. I, I think this has potential to be even better because this album is even worse and you're already funnier than Justin Childers. Ah. <laughs> uh, I like Justin, but... Well, somebody Justin. has to. <laughs> oh, poor Justin. Poor Justin. Fuck that guy, dude. Seriously. I'm tired of him blocking me. It was like, enough, dude. You blocked me, you apologize, you blocked me again, now... I didn't do anything this time. Ian said, Ian, odd, Ian had put up a fucking Trump pinata and he blocked me again. Guilty <laughs> by association. Yeah. Guns N' Roses related. That's why Ian put yes. it up there. See, it's, yes. all, it's, all, it's all connected, full circle. Yeah, but seriously, so man, it's like, goddamn, you're a touchy fucking bastard. It's like, I didn't do anything to you. I never did anything to that guy. First time he blocked me, he fucking pissed me off, you know? And now I didn't even do anything. It's like, that guy's got fucking more issues than People Magazine. Yeah. Thank you. 
<laughs> he doesn't have issues. He has subscriptions. No, but seriously, I'm not saying this because the guy's a jerk. He really did suck on that episode. Me and Ian carried the fucking ball that episode. Well, I, I don't know if we brought this up or not, but we actually re-recorded the first one because it was so bad. Uh, Remember that? It was like a bad sound, right? Something like that? Yeah, but he just wasn't, you know, uh, Justin was so funny on the on the page. Oh, yeah, he's, he's hysterical <clears throat> but, but, on the page. But, yeah. but when we got him on the mic, he was terrible. I think we did have some sound issues. So that combined with his performance, uh, you know, we re-recorded that one. But, uh, Edwin, you're not going to let us down. We're not going to have to re-record this shit. Oh, well, I have performance uh, experience. I used to sing for bands and shit. I talk to people. I'm social. I go to bars. I talk to strangers. All right. <laughs> so. Shut up already. Okay. All right. <laughs> but uh, no, no, man, you, you, you picked one. And like at first I was like, really? And then I was like, okay, this is kind of brilliant because this is such a horrible album. Uh, spoiler alert. By a band that was so big. And to me, this was really like. This was the death of Guns N' Roses right here. I, I mean, I knew it was over when this shit came out. Wow. Uh, but Edwin, since you are our guest, uh, why don't you tell us about, you know, when you first bought this album and what it meant to you and, and uh, what's forth and so not. Okay, just to give you a little backstory uh, to, to, to Guns N' Roses. I mean, Guns N' Roses, just so people know, because there's people on the page, I know, like, Johnny Vogan and stuff like that. They're not going to like this review because even though I'm sure Spaghetti Incident is not his favorite album, I'm sure he still likes it. The uh, and, and we're all going to shit on this album, me the included. Only, the but. only thing that Johnny doesn't like is like good music. The uh, the <laughs> well, you know, me and Johnny are both big Motley Crue fans. I know you guys don't like Crue as much as we do. Uh, uh, although I think we can all agree to shout, you know, the Devil's awesome. But I anyway, like I like him more than Rat. Yeah, well, me too. Although I do love that first Rat EP is fucking awesome. Yeah, and I, I like Rat too, but I like Motley Crue much more. Yeah. Rat's yeah, fucking too. overrated as all fuck. On the page. But, yeah, well, no, I agree with that. The, uh, but so is kind of GNR a bit, so I think it's good to kind of knock them off their pedestals a little bit because they're really loved on the page. It's like, just remind people, this is the same band that did the spaghetti incident. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, I mean, even as a teenager, I loved Guns N' Roses. Like, like I, you know, I'm a Use Your Illusion apologist. You know, I love the Use Your Illusion albums. I still do. And even as a teenager who loved the Use Your Illusion albums, I thought the Spaghetti Incident was a shitty album. Like, so that was really like the beginning. Like, uh, you know, and I uh, just, I saw them live. Uh, it was the third concert I ever went to. Uh, was the Usual Illusion tour? This was the second leg when they were already Izzy was already out of the band, and they were like the Vegas Guns N' Roses. Uh, and they, you know, they they did Attitude. This was actually before uh, the Spaghetti Incident came out. But the interesting thing is, um, at this time I was a teenager. I was a metalhead. You know, I didn't listen to punk. I had like the first Misfits collection, but that was like the only real punk album I had, and that was only because I was a Danzig fan. Uh, so I actually, at the time, I hadn't listened to any of these songs. Like, I don't think I even had heard, like, the Nazareth or, uh, song. Uh, none of the punk rock songs, not the Raw Power, none of this stuff I heard before. So this was my introduction to all these songs. And a lot of these songs, years later, I would get into and hear the originals and really think they were great. And it made me think this album was even worse than when I thought when I heard them, because I didn't think they were great songs when I heard this album. It didn't inspire me to go off and 
find like when I heard like Garage Days re revisited, that made me want to go and listen to like Diamond Head and stuff. But this didn't make me want to go and listen to any of these bands because I really did not like this album. So, so that's just you know that, that's my history of the Spaghetti Incident was it was like the Guns N' Roses dream was over when I heard it. It's like, uh. and it just seemed like a poser thing because this was a period when all the bands, all the metal bands were trying to go grunge or trying to show, oh, we really like punk rock. And I felt like Guns N' Roses were playing into that. And yeah, they had a little bit of punk influence and definitely Duff was like a punk guy. But, you know, Axel and Slash, it felt really disingenuous. It felt like they were more 70s rock guys that liked Aerosmith and Queen and it, it just didn't, it felt like poser shit. Like they were just trying to see like punk and get some punk cred. And it just, and especially this lineup of the band, like if the Appetite for Destruction lineup had been, done these songs, when they still had the street, when they were still a street band and with, you know, Adler and Izzy, I think these songs would have been on a whole other level. But this was the fucking post-user illusion, Gilby Clark, Dizzy Reed, Guns N' Roses, Matt <laughs> And, and, you know, it just sounds like a bloated stadium act doing really lifeless punk covers. Well, well correct, me if, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I knew, I do realize Gilby's on this album. But I do remember hearing about a punk EP going to be released during, like, the recording of Illusions. They already had this in mind. Yes. Uh, a lot of these were recorded with Izzy. And then after he left, they erased all Izzy's oh, tracks. That's, okay, and, and, so, and they they uh, had Gilby do it. And originally there there, there was there was two things they were gonna do. At one point there was gonna be an EP where it was all punk covers. Then they changed it to where it was gonna be a full album. But also there was a point where it was gonna be intertwined with uh use your illusions because a lot of these were recorded during the Illu use your illusion sessions and and it was going to be an even more like bloated version and there was there was not going to be like a use your illusions one or two it was going to be a three to four cd set that was released all in one package and they did away with that so and that explains like live and let die and knocking a head in store like so i guess that, that right. they were doing the cover like they were maybe gonna have like a third disc that was like covers uh and yeah, the nine inch nail song my word yeah <laughs> uh edwin you are our special guest so why don't you take the first track the cover of the skyliners since i don't have you of course, this was uh, the the video for the album. Did that weird video? With, uh, wasn't Gary Oldman playing Satan or yes. something? I think yes. it was. Yeah, yeah. And there was like hot chicks, and Duff was like on a desert island, or was it Gilby? One of them was on an island. Uh, this song, I, I love this. I think it's one of the three songs I love on this album. I think it's actually great. It's it's the opposite of what the rest of the album is. It's it's to me, it's Guns N' Roses being honest about what they are now. They're a bloated Pegasus act. And they do this great cover of an old doo-wop song. And I think Axel's singing's really amazing in it. I, I like it better than the original song. I, it reminds me of, um, it feels like a 70s classic rock thing to do, like Aerosmith doing uh, Remember Walking in the Sand. It reminds me a lot of that, which I also love, which I didn't like so much when I was a kid, but I've grown to really love that cover. And it's like, it's 
Guns N' Roses being like 70s Aerosmith and doing a really cool version of an old doo-wop song. And, and I think it's one, probably my, it's my second favorite song on the album. I think it's a really cool cover. And I wish there was more shit like this on, on the album. So that's my opinion of, of the song. All right, Ralph? Best track on the fucking album. I absolutely, I absolutely love, love, love this song. Uh, I have a thing for bands that cover 50s covers. Like, you know, like Aerosmith's Walking the Sand, Kiss, Then She Kissed Me, Billy Joel's Hey Girl, that was recorded by Freddie Scott in 63, but that's close enough. Uh, only complaint I, I do have on this is where Axel just, in the middle of it, goes, yeah, we're fucked. I just don't understand that, and that's and and I think it's stupid how it ends with that. I don't know that Nine Inch Nails type bullshit sound that's, that's going on. That's Robo Axel, yeah, showing his yeah, yeah. <laughs> peeking in but, there. But other than those two things, man, I think it's great. I love how Axel sings it. I like when he belts it out in the the last chorus, and uh, I just have a thing for fifties, uh, those fifties type of songs like this. You know, I just, I, I, I love it. You know, Rainbow did it on Donington Live, which I don't even think that's on the album. That's, uh, oh man, now I can't remember the song, but, you know, somebody out there helped me. Um, whatever, with Grant Bonnet belting out one of those, Tonight Your Knife Completely, that song. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I love when rock bands, like, cover uh, those 50 songs and, you know, they rockify it a little bit. And I yeah, like they add some. Yeah, and I like Slash's playing on the song too. Uh, that's one of those rare times where I like act. Uh, I feel like he's playing really good on it. Uh, he's like uh, playing for the song, so I love it. But Ian hates his shit. Yeah, you know, one last oh. thing before Ian shits on it. Another cool thing is, unlike the rest of this album, where like, you know, I was saying like I think it's poser shit. Like they're trying to show how punk they are during the whole grunge scene thing happening. This is the opposite. This is like as unfashionable as yeah. you can be. And that's what makes it cool. It's like, we're, yeah. we're doing this old doo-wop song. Like, that's cool. Like, it's the one time where I feel the album feels very honest. Like, yeah, they're just yeah, being yeah. square. And I wish the cool. whole album had songs like this. I yeah, they it. should be doing like Elton John songs. I would have feels... it. Yeah, would have been great. Yeah. So, Ian, shit on it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't disagree with you homos more. This shit is fucking terrible. And I love the original song by the Skyliners. Uh, but to me, this seems the exact opposite of what you said. It's so forced. It's like them saying, hey, let's be ironic and we'll do this. You know, well, you're not the fucking stray cats by any fucking means. Uh, fucking horrible. And the whole, like, we're fucked now. I think that sums up the song completely. Like, I knew when I heard this song, I was like, yeah, yeah, I just got fucked out of fourteen ninety nine. now. This is fucking terrible. But I, I, I do like that. I don't like when he says that. That's the thing that does seem like douchey irony. It's like when Faith No More did Easy, and it's all, like, kind of perfect until Mike Patton goes, like, Oh, my Ew. God, now that is yeah. terrible. Like, you know, when uh, he does that thing, when he goes, ew, and it, it's like, ooh, I almost was being a little too sincere there. So I, I got to show yeah. off. See, now, really now, that, that, that I love. <laughs> I disagree with both of you there. I love their cover easy, but this, this is just so fucking terrible. And it just shows you how far Axel was up his own ass at this time. Like, this is his idea of irony, and we're going to be cute. 
and it i mean jesus christ this is fucking terrible but, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather it, have vegas uh, guns and roses and axel up his ass axel doing this rather than like fucking a stooges song <laughs> i mean don't you think it's just a little bit better for this uh, version of the band uh, it, it's all horrible it's it's all <laughs> horrible this is the fucking dizzy reed fucking era and oh my god do i fucking hate dizzy reed oh my god i mean, I mean that's <laughs> when i even saw his picture on fucking uh use your illusion like no no <laughs> there is no keyboard player in guns and roses they are in the antithesis of that you know and now they got their own david bryan i mean jesus fucking christ and, and the saddest thing is he is the longest serving member of Guns N' Roses <laughs> besides Axel. Just sums up every... Fuck this band. Is, he still Guns the, Roses. is Dizzy still in the band? Yes. Wow. Yes. It's yes. And, oh, and he's considered like... This is how horrible it is. Dizzy is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for being a member of Guns N' Roses. They included him. If it, if it makes you feel better, though, Ian, even though he's been in the band the longest <laughs> compared to Axel, he's still not getting like probably a tenth of what Duff and Slash are getting now. <laughs> oh, oh, and he shouldn't. I mean, it's horrible. This, this band, this band. I mean, when they came around, what it was. I mean, for somebody who was there when it happened, you know, and, and Ralph was there, and you were there to a to a different extent, Edwin. Uh, you know, it was such, you know, the antithesis of the, hey, we're pretty boys. You know, they were stripped down rock and roll. Two guitars, bass, drum, and vocal. Uh, like, roots rock and roll, dirty, gritty. You know, and now you got fucking John Tesh joining the band, too, to add, you know, oh, my God. But Axel was so like, oh, I want to be Elton John. I want to be Freddie Mercury. He wanted all this respect before he fucking earned it. And and that's where he killed this shit, you know? It's like, just build your own legacy before you compare yourself to tried and true legends. You know, it's like, oh, God, fuck Guns N' Roses up the fucking <laughs> ass, and especially for doing this fucking song. Yeah, we're fucked now is fucking right. Fuck this fucking <laughs> band. I hate this fucking song. The Skyliners probably aren't even in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but should be just for this. It's a beautiful song. Don't get me wrong. It is a beautiful, great 50s era song that is just pissed all over by this fucking Vegas fucking bullshit poser. You want to talk about poser? Dude, Guns N' Roses are even more posers than fucking Poison, dude. I, I mean, they really are. Uh, fuck Fuck this shit. Oh my god, this song pisses me off so bad. But now we go into New Rose. Uh, lead vocals, I believe uh, Duff singing this one, or is this actually? Yeah, it's Duff. No, it's Duff. Yeah, Duff. Um, comes nowhere near, you know, the, the punk awesomeness of the dam. Uh, you know, at this time, Duff was very much like in a dark alcoholic haze and I remember at the time of its release I loved uh, what Don't Believe in Me or whatever the fuck the solo album was I really liked it I, I went back just a couple weeks ago and listened to it and I was like mm, man this hasn't aged well and it just sounds like a drunk guy at the mic like I, I, I don't know 
I, I think Duff's heart was in the right place, but this band should do nothing fucking punk because it, it's not them. They are a fifth-rate fucking Aerosmith. Stick to what they know. You are not punk. And then to do, you know, and, and, and I love punk. I don't love punk as much as I love metal, but I love punk. But I love true punk, real punk. It's, it's almost more like the feeling and the soul is, is more even overpowering than the music. I mean, it's just, it comes from a true place. And this is like, I'm sure Duff loved this song, but with, the, you know, with Gilby Clark and fucking Slash and Dizzy fucking Reed on this, you, you can't assemble these motherfuckers and do a punk song and have it sound authentic. Uh, absolutely fucking horrible. Uh, the damn did it perfect. They fucked this up real bad. Not a fan of New Rose. What do you think, Edwin? Uh, this was a song I liked a lot when I was a teenager before I actually heard the original. Uh, the, like I said, I was more of a metal kid, so uh, short of the, the one Misfits album, I didn't listen to any punk. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I started going back, and I still am more like more metal and hard rock uh, than punk, but I do, I have grown to like some punk bands. Uh, and The Damned is one of them. I, I really love, when I heard like Damned's version, like I, I couldn't go back and listen to this version and not think it was shitty because it just, it's just so powerful and, and raw. And the, the driving guitars, it's really like the guitars are just all wrong. I think Duff sings punk better than Act only because he's got limited vocal skills and that's kind of helps with punk. And, and I know he really likes this shit, so it seems a little more authentic to me. It sounds a little more authentic than when Axel sings a punk song, which I guess we'll get to in the next track. Uh, but so that doesn't bother me so much. But still, he's not as good as the damn singer. The, the songs, I mean, this was a fucking shotgun. You know, this song is credited as being the first UK punk single. It was like a couple months before Anarchy in the UK. Uh, and it just has so much fire and energy, uh, this, the, the damned version. And once you listen to the damned version, this just sounds like fucking, you know, overproduced plastic shit. And I can't really get, get into it anymore after that. So that's what I think of it now. Uh, there's just something about Duff singing a punk song that just sounds so disingenuous. Add a bunch of millionaires with a drummer who sounds like a drum machine doesn't help either. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like going to a punk rock club with a valet parking <laughs> and, and a bat and a bathroom that's spotless, so clean that you can eat off the floor. You know, it just makes no sense to me it, that exactly. Uh, there's nothing punk about this song. It just sounds like a bunch of like you know like a uh, like like a bunch of lawyers got together and started playing a punk rock song that's it just sounds so disingenuous it sounds too spotless there's no nothing dirty about it i don't know the original version i don't and i'm sure the original version you know you can hear it's a punk rock song but it's filtered you know it's like ah uh, it's like like i said man like going to a punk rock club and walking in the bathroom and you can actually flush the toilet with your hand you don't have to use your feet to flush the toilet. I can use the same excuse for the next tune, Down on the Farm. Um, 
But this one I really like, actually. I think it's a fun song. And I actually did know this song because I had this friend who was a huge punk rock fan with a bunch of imports. Uh, I remember getting a kick out of this song as a kid and forgot all about this song till I heard this version. So, I, I am like, you know, um, I am guilty of, of, you know, going to that GNR punk club with the valet parker <laughs> parking and, and eating spaghetti off the floor from the bathroom. That's what I think of Down on the Farm. I like it. I actually like it. I can say, musically, it's not, it doesn't bother me quite as much as New Rose, because musically, it's a, I mean, it's still a punk song, but it's a a little bit, got a little bit more going on riffage-wise, so they can play that, but still too clean. But uh, Axel doing the British accent, it's it's kind of like just a thing that bothers me, like, it's like Billy Joe and Green Day, like, I hate when Americans do fake British accents, it just, it just is some, it's a personal thing, it just really rubs, annoys me. (laughs) <laughs> so Axel doing it for a whole fucking song it's just something really grating about it hearing him sing like a British guy like I just prefer if he just sang it in his normal voice um, but even the whole song it's so British it's about you know a, being a London guy that's suddenly like out in sticks and it's just like you know why are you singing this fucking song what's this got to do with Guns N' Roses you know and it uh, to me it just I, I can't get into it it just sounds like Axel do playing Halloween or something what do you think, Ian? Uh, well, man, this, this is one that I was so excited to hear on the album. Like I was, I was waiting for this because I was such a Guns N' Roses fan, man. I was watching Farm Aid. The last show they did was Stephen Adler. Yeah, they played. This and game. and they they played this in Civil War. And and still, to me, the, the best renditions of those two songs. I mean. Civil War sounded so awesome and epic. It was fucking amazing. You know, and then I heard the fucking Use Your Illusions version. I was like, this fucking sucks. And the same with this song, man. When they did this shit at Farm Aid, I was like, that is fucking badass. And even, you know, even on the Farm Aid version, he kind of did the uh, the British accent, but I didn't mind it because there was this manic energy. He was all over the place on the stage, running around singing this, and it was so badass. At that point, I did not know the UK subs. I did not know this song, but I fucking loved it. I, man, it was so awesome. I was like, oh, I want to hear, you know, I, I want a version of that I can play on my CD player. So when this came out... I was like, oh, finally I can hear a version of Down on the Farm. And then when I heard this shit, I was like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Because what worked live did not work studio with the fucking, you know, the fake British thing. You know, I, I would rather hear him do like a fake Swedish thing, you know, like like, like the, the Muppet Chef, you know, horky dorky dorky derby, you know, fucking, oh my God. It sounded so bad, and yes, fuck Green Day. Fuck Green Day in the fucking ass. All right, well, now let's talk about how they fucking picked one of the worst New York Dial songs to cover. Human Being. What do you think of this one, Edwin? Uh, well, okay, well, I do not like the New York Dolls. I, I really actually hate them. I tried to get into them a few times, you know. I know they're an important band, all that. I just think they're a shit band. 
I like a few Johnny Thunder stuff he did after the New York Dolls, but I'm not a huge fan of, of them. I think they're really overrated. I think it's all just glam hype. They have a couple good songs. I, so I'm not a big fan. So this is one of the rare songs that I actually think I like I like better than the original version. Um, but again, I have a really low opinion on the New York Dolls. So, um, you know, I feel like if Kiss died after the first three albums, like if all three, four of them, like were in a car crash and died and never did a live and got popular, like all the people would go back and listen to those Kiss albums, be like, oh, they were this cool, gritty, really catchy, uh, melodic garage rock band that like no one appreciated in their time you know <laughs> whereas like new york dolls just because they never became as popular as new york critics wanted them to be like everyone like thinks they're really cool you know and there's a reason they didn't become really popular because their songs were shitty and they weren't really uh, good I, I i like it i think it's it's, it's an all right cover of a mediocre song that, that's my opinion <laughs> uh fuck the song and fuck the new york dolls this song sucks and so does the New York Dolls. I never liked them. I never got it and I sleep well at night knowing this. <clears throat> they're, very, they're a very influential band, I know. But Hitler was influential too, okay? Uh, fuck them, fuck Hitler, fuck the New York Dolls. I can't stand that fucking band. Never did, never will. Fuck Johnny Thunders. Fuck uh, Points to Point. Point Dexter, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> I can't stand him. And this song is terrible. This is six minutes of fucking torture. Oh, that's what I think of that song. <laughs> All right. I love the New York Dolls. I, I, I love the first album. The second album, there's like maybe two songs I like. And this is not one of them. Oh, my God. And this song is even like damn near two minutes longer than the original. It's way, the longest track on the album. It's like six minutes and 48 seconds of pure hell. Like, really? Like, you, you know, you're going to do a, a New York Dolls song. You're not going to do like Jet Boy or fucking Trash or Frankenstein or, you, you know, something. Or the we suck. <laughs> Something off the first, I mean, just a horrible pick. A horrible song, a horrible fucking version. But then we go to something that really offends me. Oh, Vodka, you're my only friend. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking raw power. Oh, my God. Yeah. Robbed of all fucking balls. And fuck you, goddamn Dizzy Reed. Now, this song does have piano on the song. I mean, if you know the album Raw Power, it does have piano. But Dizzy Reed, oh my god, does he fuck this song up. And Duff fucks it up, too. I love Duff. Duff, I know you love, you know, Iggy. But Iggy, to me, is like right there with fucking Mick Jagger and David Lee Roth as the epitome of a frontman. And I am such a huge, huge Iggy Pop fan. Uh, to do this song and to do it so fucking plastic and soulless. And fuck you uh, again, Dizzy Reed, with your fucking keyboards and your fucking 
maracas and your tambourine, whatever the fuck, you know, kazoo, whatever the fuck you play, you useless piece of shit. Fuck Dizzy Reed. I, you know, why did Tupac get shot? They should have shot Dizzy Reed. I fucking hate this shit. What do you think, Edwin? Uh, yeah, this is one of the uh, worst covers because unlike the New York Dolls, see, this is the thing. I don't like, like, I'm not going to just like a group just because people say you should like them. Like the New York Dolls, oh, they're influential. You know, I respect that you like them, Ian, but I can't, I'm with rap. I think they're bullshit. Stooges are a different thing entirely. I, they deserve all the critics loving them and more, they should have more people that aren't critics. Just like Correct. There should, be more, there should be more just trashy people liking the Stooges because that's, music for trashy people you know yes. and, and you know and iggy's the real fucking deal and that guy you know straight out fucking hal and wolf school that guy is amazing but i love iggy i love um he did a lot of shit in the 80s i don't like but i love everything he did in the 70s and i love the, the first three stooges album raw power is one of my favorite albums of all time uh Ralph, what do you think about raw power raw power this song is as raw as a steak that's well cooked <laughs> I can picture Axel in his custom-made high top smoking a cigarette with a receptacle on it. Shit like this reminds me of Kanye West wearing a Megadeth shirt. <laughs> That's what I think of Raw Power. Awesome. All right, well, what do you think about Ain't It Fun by the this Dead song, Boys? This song is as fun as listening to <laughs> Pornography by The Cure. <laughs> there, that's, that's what I think of that one, too. Wow. Okay. All right, what do you what do you think, Edwin? Uh, this uh, this was a song I thought was all right when I was like a teenager. Again, until I heard the original. Now I think it's the worst cover on the album. I I think it's a fucking abomination. Uh, because um, I do like uh, I really like the I like the first Dead Boys album. Uh, I don't think the second album is that great, but this song I think it's the last song on the second album. It's right. really fucking great. And talk about the Stooges. The Dead Boys version really reminds me a lot of uh, probably my favorite Stooges song, uh, which is on Raw Power, Gimme Danger. Yes. It's, it's just got that vibe, that creep, that creepy, dark, sexual, like there's some New York gutter punk in the alley waiting to get you kind of vibe. And Guns N' Roses is so, um, it's such a massive fucking fail. They cannot create that vibe. Like the appetite for destruction fucking Guns N' Roses could have. My Michelle, the My Michelle Guns N' Roses that still had the, the sex and seediness and smack and LA streets could have done this song like in 87, but not the fucking bloated post Your Illusion Guns N' Roses, not the, this band. This band should not go anywhere near a song like this. And they rob it of all of its danger and atmosphere and fucking Axel and, and whoever is that guest singer on it. Axel just, he puts on this fake tough guy voice Hey, I'm a tough guy. I'm trying to sound like I'm from New York. And it just sounds so fucking fake. And then they hit the chorus, like they try to make it sound really heavy. And it just, it, it, it's just, it's just, it's just horrible. It's just, it feels like, like a bunch of rap boys or like jocks coming into what should be a freak party, you know? And it's just, they can't get freaky anymore. They're not that dark, twisted band they were back in the 80s. And it's, it's just, it's horribly wrong. I think it's a piece of shit. Well, I, I agree with you. And the guest vocals are from Michael Monroe from Hanoi Rocks, who I think, uh, like how you guys talk about uh, New York Dolls is what I think about Hanoi Rocks. Uh, this song, actually, I don't hate this song as much as, as you two do. 
But still, when 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 you compare it against the Dead Boys version, and you hit the nail on the head, you know the second De- Dead Boys album is nowhere near the first one. Uh, but this was the standout song on the second uh, Dead Boys album. Um, yeah, it, it's a great song, but this is the wrong band to cover it. You know, this is. This isn't true Guns N' Roses. This is Guns N' Roses with, like, a bedazzled sweater. Yeah, you need, like, 84 Overkill covering uh, the Dead Boys, because they, they know how to do it. Oh, yeah, but, but I, <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly, though. But that, they, they understood that kind of, uh, you know, East Coast punk ethos. You know, even though the Dead Boys were actually from Ohio, but, you, you know, I mean, they, they understood it. You know, where Guns N' Roses, it's like, oh my God. You know, it, it it's like them trying to do a Gigi Allen song. You know, you're yeah. so far removed. And, you know, whenever I think of Guns N' Roses at this era, I always think of uh, uh, that behind the music where Jason Newstead's talking about the concert where... Um, uh, uh, the, riot, the riots going on in my yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 where, where, where James Hetfield got all fucked up, and he said Axel sitting backstage smoking a cigarette through, like, a cigarette holder and sipping champagne. Yeah, and, like, that's when, was, when James was making fun of him. I mean, he went through the list of, like, demands that right have in the trailer. Right, and, and if, that, if that's your mindset, you cannot do punk music with the right, you know... Yeah, with the right. I mean, to me, punk is like Fugazi, you know, like would never let an album be sold over a certain amount of money. Always did their own T-shirts. I mean, no oh, yeah, matter like street, like like Dee Ramones, like fucking turning tricks in the right, corner right. street. Yeah, and that's what Guns N' Roses were like. Like they were like they were like pimps. They were like in '86, '85. They were like living off of women, turning them out. Like Izzy was fucking pipping them out and selling heroin like Aerosmith on the side like they were real hustlers Axel was living on the he used to sleep outside uh, the guitar center you know on the streets I mean they were a real street band and that's why fucking Appetite for Destruction and like uh, like Live Like a Suicide have that sound like that band then could have done this song I think and it would have been right. great but not the fucking 93 Guns N' Roses by no yeah, stretch yeah. of the imagination Hor- horrible horrible all right, well, now we go into uh, a song I find so, so ironic. is uh, Buick McCain slash Big Dumb Sex by, uh, uh, respectively done by a T-Rex and Soundgarden. Uh, now, I, I love T-Rex. I love Mark Bowen. Uh, the Buick McCain version of the song, your, you know, section of the song, it's all right. I, I mean, they're never gonna replicate, uh, the, you know, the awesomeness that is T Rex. But it's not too bad. But then they go into Big Dumb Sex, which I find ironic uh, because there was an interview with Soundgarden, and I wish I knew where I saw this, but I, I've always remembered this because of this, where Soundgarden said the whole Big Dumb Sex thing was making fun of, you know, glam rock bands, and they particularly mentioned Guns N' Roses, you know, of bands that write, you know, like, fuck me, suck me songs. 
Yeah. Now, now, I mean, in hindsight, you know, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses weren't, you know, as bad as a lot of the glam band songs, but they did mention Guns N' Roses by name as, you know, one of the bands that inspired this. Well, they were and, very, I mean, they were into the sex and cock rock. I mean, you had like Rocket Queen and anything goes. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't so, it wasn't as bad as like a lot of the other cock rock bands, you know. It wasn't like Motley Crue level or, you know, or Rad or Dokken or, you know. Like, Soundgarden talked a lot of shit. Though. I got to tell you, I, it's, uh, they, they always had guitarists. What's that guy's name? Kim Thale. He always talked shit about metal. He even like downplayed the Sabbath influence. He was like really into that shit. Like, well, like, he's in ISIS, isn't he? Whoa! Yeah, yeah. He, he he shits on a lot of that stuff. He had a kind of holier than thou. Ooh, we like you know, the, uh, you know the Killing Joke. I, I hated that fucking. I, I hated that fucking attitude. And yeah. who had that attitude back then? Who pretends he doesn't have it anymore? Was fucking Dave Grohl. Oh yeah, I have, a fuck, had I have an interview with Dave Grohl slamming the plasmatics. Fuck him. Yeah, and now he's like all like, oh, Lemmy's the coolest. Yeah, he. Yeah, they, yeah, they and, and you know, Lemmy loved Wendy O. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, yeah. There was a lot of that poster shit going on, and you know, in Soundgarden open. I, I mean, both we, me and Ralph both caught this like uh, Soundgarden were, were were opening up for Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know, yeah, I like it, Soundgarden though. I just think uh, it was, I, I didn't I didn't realize they were they were bashing you know they were being Dave Grohlish, but you know and, and I, again I like Nirvana too. I'm just saying they you know you know they, whatever is fucking Dave Grohl was is all Mr. Metal now with Probot and all that shit. But n- never once did you hear that motherfucker mention any metal band back then? Always wore stupid alternative clothes. Now he wears Slayer shirts. Fuck him. The only thing I'll give Kirk Cobain credit for one thing only. He did. He never trashed Aerosmith. He did say good and, things about Aerosmith. And 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 love Black Sabbath. And love Black Sabbath. Yeah, he 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 didn't trash a few of the older bands that he liked. So yeah. Soundgarden. Come on, you're gonna you're gonna play you down know, Sabbath. And Sabbath was such a big influence on their sound. You know who else Kirk Cobain loved? Iggy Pop. Ah, Abba. He liked <laughs> Abba. Well, Lemmy Lemmy loves that. He like he like he Abba. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, oh, a bunch of fags like me. I I like some ABBA. I like their earlier shit, like the Waterloo. Homo. <laughs> I like I like that kind of Phil Spectorish kind of pop stuff that they did in the the early. Ring, <laughs> ring. Why don't you give me oh, a yeah, call? Well, that's great. I love that song. It's so gay. Yeah, yeah I can't <laughs> wait to suck that first cock to that song. Maybe like uh, like SOS. That's, I think that's a great yeah, song. great song. And Fozzie, a band I can't fucking stand, does a great version of that song. Amazing version. You listen to Fozzie, that stupid Chris Jericho idiot. Yeah. Dude, they do an amazing version of SOS, and I can't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this band's terrible, and they do a great cover. They should just be a cover band. Well, no, no, let me take that back because I actually own that first Fozzie album. And that's just terrible, and it's all metal coverage. Uh, Ralph, have you officially come out and said what you think of Hair of the, I mean, Buick McCain slash Big Dumb Sex? No, man, does this one just drone. Drone, drone on with annoying harmonies to equal the annoying chorus. Uh, it may be less than three minutes, but it feels like it's an eternity. So they tag Big Dub Sex. It doesn't help. I, I hate it. Probably my least favorite on the whole fucking album. Wow. 
That's it's saying a so, lot. It's so boring. It's so boring. It bores me to tears. The, the vocal. Oh, it's just, it's just bad. I'll go to the next one, Hair of the Dog. Uh, I love Nazareth, and I love this song. I love that album. But right from the opening non-groove drum beat, this is a terrible cover. There is no oomph to this at all. Even even the talk box sounds so fucking weak. Like Manny Carlton made it so nasty and dirty on the original version. Especially how he ended like, wow, that shit. Slash doesn't even do that. This sounds like it was recorded at the GNR Punk Rock Club. And uh, then they speed it up trying to make it, you know, something heavy. Yeah, heavy at the end. Miserable at it. And you guys mentioned uh, the Dead Boys and Overkill. Well, Overkill covered a song off Hair of the Dog, Miss Misery, and they fucking nailed that too. And, and yeah. you know, and Overkill is not like, you know, known as, they're, they're more known as a punk influence band than thrash, but they do a great version of a Nazareth song. What do you think, Edwin? Yeah, this is one, another one, uh, I, for whatever reason, even though it was like a hit song, uh, the original, uh, this was like under my radar when I was like, you know, a teenager in, in 93. Maybe I heard it before, but I didn't really know. I knew it from this song, and I remember liking this song on the album. I liked the, the you know, the Son of a Bitch chorus, you know, all that shit. It was a cool song. It sounded more like Real Guns N' Roses to me. But then, like a lot of these songs, a few years later, I, I finally, you know, heard the Nazareth song. I, I got that album. That's actually the only one I have. It, 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 I just, I, I fucking love that album, though. I, I love uh, the singer. Oh, What's um, his name? That um, McCafferty, dude? Dan McCafferty's. Oh, his God. voice. And, and you amazing. hear a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of Axel and Dan, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I can see uh, Axel's very influenced by that guy's voice. Yeah, this I, I, he's kind of like the original actor. He is, and this, this this seems like an authentic cover. This, and again, this is a song like if they had just done a couple years prior, I think they would have nailed it because oh, yeah. the real stuff. This is the kind of stuff Guns N' Roses did really listen to. This was the shit that that Indiana guy in the '70s was listening to and being like, "I want to be a singer like that." And and, and the 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 voice box thing slash, you know, that's like you know like Nazareth and Aerosmith. That's the kind of shit he grew up liking, and it's all, but it's not. The wrong band, the wrong time to be doing it. I mean, this is the one, I think of all the songs, this is the one where I miss Adler the most because it's a 70s groove with a fucking cowbell. You've got to have Adler doing that. You know, that Peter Chris influence because fucking Matt Storm, the fucking living drum machine, cannot give you that groove. He no, can't work I, that right, cowbell. I'm <laughs> telling you, right from the beginning of the song. It's wrong. You already, you already know it sucks. Yeah. Like the it, band doesn't even have to come in. It's like... Dude, if the band is firing all cylinders and you have that drumming going on, because one thing about bands, dude, if you don't have a good drummer, you suck. You could get away with a shitty guitar player, a shitty bass player, uh, sometimes a shitty singer, sometimes. But a drummer is always the most important uh, ingredient to make a band fucking great. If you have a shitty drummer, and I'm sorry, I think Matt Storm is shitty. He's just... It baffles my mind. Out of all the drummers on this planet, they picked this guy. You know, it just—it's not like you know he's like you know Ricky Rocket. You know, I'm not saying he's like technically terrible. It's just he has no soul. Yeah, it's he a has, land. There's no feeling to him. You know, it's just—he's just there. You know? Mechanical. Oh, it sounds like a machine. Yeah. He's, he's, he's what the Cubans call plaster. Plata. 
He just he exactly. can't get his, you know, you can't get he doesn't get a swerve on. That's the thing. And, and with this song right out of the gate, that's you want that 70s drum beat and and cowbell. You want like that kind of you want like a more of a Joey Kramer, Peter Chris kind of 70s drum feel. Joey and Kramer. Now there's an underrated moment. Really right fucking there. underrated, Joey Kramer. Extremely, extremely. You know, I saw him do a drum solo once with uh, drumsticks and and he, and he didn't use the drums, he used the stage. Like his drumsticks had like a, I don't know, like a microphone or something on it, and they glow in the dark, and he ran around the stage just playing the drums on, on pieces of the stage. And it was mind-blowing. I think that was the Permanent Vacation or Done With Mirror Store, one of the two. And that guy, oh man, if you listen to those early Aerosmith albums, that guy's fucking amazing. Like what a groove. What yeah, a like, groove. Like Lord, right of the, out, Lord of the Lord Thighs. Of, like Lord of the Thighs, yeah, yeah, right out of the gate. You got that groove, and it's like already an awesome song. This is yeah. like why hip hop artists were like sampling Joey Kramer in the early days because it was instantly boom, you had this fucking groove. Yep. That Storm ain't giving you that fucking groove. Where, where, where if they got rid of uh, of uh, Joey Kramer and Aerosmith, they'd still fail Arenas. Top hat, top hat. <laughs> so this is the thing about like uh, like Aerosmith, like Rock in the Hard Place, you take out both Perry and even Whitford, who's very underrated. They're both out of the band. It's just Steven Tyler and yeah. Hamilton and Kramer, and it's still fucking awesome and sounds like exactly. Aerosmith. Because you got those, you the got group. that rhythm. And again, right. Tom Hamilton, another fucking underrated. Oh, so over. I grew up loving that guy because I was a bassist, so you know Hamilton was like my god. Yeah, yeah, and, what a great, yeah. yeah. And and so and it's amazing how underrated Tom Tom Hamilton is, where his bass playing is very very important to like the, a lot of their hits, like Sweet Emotions and shit. Yeah, critical mass. He's got a lot of cool yeah. shit that he does. Awesome. I mean, I love his bass lines. Even when he does guitar, right. he, did, he did the guitar in "Sick of a uh, Sick as a Dog." He came up that riff. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, that's one of my favorite Aerosmith songs. I mean, they're just awesome. they're really underrated. Much people. like uh, my my favorite member of uh, Aerosmith is Brad Whitford. My favorite yeah. member of Aerosmith is is a Stradlin because uh, you know unsung heroes. And but yeah. you know Brad Whitford can solo. Oh, way yeah. better than Joe Perry easily dude the Brad Whitford rips oh, voodoo yeah. medicine man and uh nobody's fault the guy rips for years I didn't know that was him on last child like I just assumed yeah. that was a Perry song because you know Perry's more like the funky guy the rhythm and blues kind of guy and and I always kind of uh, thought Whitford was more like the metal guy because he wrote like the heavier songs like nobody's fault and stuff but no last child was like Whitford wrote that and that's his guitar solo and it's like oh, yeah. one of the great guitar solos in my opinion yeah that's a song that i've always saw him play live that's a that's a mainstay in the set list, I yeah that's when he songs. used to do his solo and they'd go yeah. into that yeah he's amazing uh, all right well i think the hair the dog cover is like trickster covering every mother's nightmare it's it it's just fucking lame oh my god it it, it it's so bad you got you guys I mean, you said everything there is to say, man. It sucked all the balls and, and, and real emotion. And I'm kind of like I'm on the fence Nazareth fan. You know, admittedly, I don't know a lot of Nazareth. I love Hair the Dog. I fucking cannot stand Love Hurts. I think that's terrible. But, uh, you know, I no, love... It's a cover. It's a cover if you oh, is it? I didn't know yeah. that. Everly Brothers. Oh, okay. Okay, did not know that. Yeah, I, I hate that fucking... I, I just don't like the song. But man, Hair the Dog. That's a fucking jam. 
Yeah, Guns Brothers. Yeah, totally. Totally fucked this shit up. Then we go into Attitude. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Them trying to do the Misfits. Oh my god. Add Attitude. Oh my god. And, you know, I... I, I can't remember. I'm looking at my notes. I can't see. Does Duff do the lead vocals on this? Yeah, or is it's it... Duff. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was the chick keyboard player that they have now. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I mean, think of Misfits. I mean, like, like original Misfits is so awesome. So fucking sacred. So pure and true. And you know this is like this is like Maroon Five doing the Misfits. I mean, oh my God, horrible, horrible, horrible. Definitely one of the lowest parts on this album, and that's saying something. Absolutely putrid. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, no wonder Danzig is so bitter. <laughs> this is this is a desecration to the song. Funny how this song has no fucking attitude. <laughs> Uh, fucking Duff, man. Trying so hard to be tough. It's comical and sad at the same time. I saw them play this live on the Illusion Store a couple times. And uh, watching this, all I was thinking was, man, it'd be awesome if Danzig and Jerry only came out and clotheslined them. <laughs> uh, that, that way, you know, uh, you know, they, they can, uh, it, it'll be a visually cool song to see live. To see Duff sent to the hospital with a cracked Adam Apple. So we won't have to sing him, uh, sing this song or any song anymore. This is just something so fake about his voice. It's, it suits shit like the, the Cure covering punk rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, it's terrible. I, yeah, it is. This is probably like the most polished of all the punk songs on here, from the most rawest of all the punk bands. You know what I mean? Attitude. You've gotta. Excited to be the band is gonna be a whore. Kind of sounds British too, a little bit on it, you know. It's like, oh God, Jesus Christ. Okay, we get it. You 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 like the Misfits, just don't play it. You know? I don't know. It's just, and you know what? I love Duff as a bass player, and I love what he did on uh, Appetite. I think he is, you know, the star with Adler. I think they're the two most overlooked. But I don't like his voice. I like his voice on It's So Easy, where he's singing with. Axl Rose trying to be Phil Lynott, you know what I mean? I, I thought that fucking worked well as a harmony singer, but I don't like that guy's voice, dude. I just don't. There's just something so, I don't know. It, to me, it has no personality. It's just something, he's, it's, a, it's a guy trying to be something he's not, you know? Right. So it's it's like if Ricky Rackman was a singer. Ah. He was, he was. All right, what do you? Just not a lot of people know that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, remember what, when I said I thought Duff sang the punk songs better than Axel? Well, not in this case. Uh, this, this is horrible. Uh, he, I mean, it's Glenn Danzig. He can't come near, you know, Glenn's howls and power. And he just sounds like, it sounds like Hot Topic, you know, trying to be the misfits. Uh... And, and the guitars are just too slick. Oh, it's horrible. Funny thing about this is this was one, um, the first time I heard this song was the Guns N' Roses version at the User Illusion Tour. They This was the song, they played this and Duff sang it. 
Uh, so that was actually the first time I ever heard Attitude, because I did have the first Misfits collection, but this wasn't on the first collection. It was on like the second collection that came out a few years later. So right. I was just getting into the Misfits because I was a big Danzig fan. So I'd just gone back and started listening to them because of that. Uh, but so I was just kind of being initiated into the Misfits at the time. But I knew it was a Misfits song because Duff's like, hey, we're going to do a Misfits song. And I was like, okay, cool. I like the Misfits. They did it. I didn't know the song, but I remembered it and then turned up on Spaghetti Incident like a year later. Um, you know, it was all right, I thought, I guess. I didn't really care so much about it. But then years later, when I eventually did get Collection 2 and eventually heard the real attitude, I was like, oh, my fucking God. There's no comparison. The uh, it's not, And it's not even one of my favorite Misfits songs. It's But it's still like, it's still, I mean, even a an mediocre Misfits song is still really cool. I don't know. Yeah. It just has that no, sound. I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent there. It's not even one of my favorite Misfits songs. But but still, the meaning is lost so much. Yeah, the, just the sound of the guitars and just Glenn's voice. It just just you just it just it just sounds you know the Misfits just sound so ballsy and raw. And I love them and and you know they're, they're one of my favorite bands now. And just yeah, this just sounds like like this is you know it's not punk. It's punk ass. Ugh, Ugh horrible. Horrible. One of the worst covers on the app. All right, well you take the next one. The cover of the Professionals, Black Leather. I was reading up on this. I know it's the Wikipedia and the album says professionals, not to you know be a dick, but I think technically it's actually the Sex Pistols. It's there was this period when Johnny Rotten left uh, left the group, and they had a period where they were kind of trying out different singers and maybe thinking of continuing the Pistols. It's around like the rock and roll swindle period, and this was released as a seven inch. I looked it up, and yeah, it was the Sex Pistols. I don't know why they say. I mean, it's the Sex Pistols without. Johnny Rotten and it's Steve Jones and um, what's his face Paul Cook so yeah that's like the professionals but it's not technically that band it is the Sex Pistols but they say it's the professionals uh, uh, so I I actually never heard the Sex Pistols version so I this was the one song I had in her I knew the Runaways version um, so I went and listened to that and yeah, it was pretty good I, li- I really liked the original one uh, I also really liked the Runaways version uh, which they did just like a year after the Sex Pistols version. Uh, it was like in 79 uh, on their last album, Joan Jett Sings. And it's, it's, this is the thing, you know, Guns N' Roses, I, I think they got owned not just by, you know, uh, Steve Jones. They, they got owned by Joan Jett. I think the 19-year-old girl had more balls than Guns N' Roses. Like that Runaways version is really sleazy and fun and has an attitude that this, again, Guns N' Roses in 93 just can't, can't you know, they just can't. They're not that band they used to be. They can't be the, the street band. Again, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses, this would have been right up their fucking alley, you know, Black Leather. But they just can't sound real. They just It just doesn't sound legit, and it doesn't have the sleaze and the attitude that this song should have. That's, that's my thoughts on Black Leather. All right, Ralph. Yeah, uh, this cover sucks, unlike my new band, Old Leather. That's all I got to say. All right, well, this is one, uh, this is the only song that I've never heard off the album. Uh, you know, I've, I've never heard the professional slash Sex Pistols version. Uh, I'm not familiar with the um, the Runaways version. It is my second favorite on the album. Well, actually... It probably is because you didn't hear the other two versions yet. Exactly. (laughs) It's one of two songs that I actually like on this album. So 
but if I heard the original, that could change. But this one, I gotta say, doesn't bother me. So far, it is the only song on this album that I like. Um, much unlike the next one, which I love, love the original, and this one is absolutely horrible. You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory by Johnny Thunders. Uh, I love the original so much, and you can feel the emotion in that song. Uh, you know, you can feel the despair. This one is just like, oh my God. Again, it's like Maroon 5 trying to do punk. Absolutely horrible. What do you think, Edwin? This is this is gonna be the one where I, I differ from you two guys uh, on this one. Uh, you know, you know, have you back? I, I mean, I I do I like the Johnny Thunders version. I'm not big Johnny Thunders guy for the most part. I like a couple of those songs like Chinese Rocks, and I I do like this song. I don't really like that album of his so much that this song's on. Um, but but this song's great. It's probably the best song he ever wrote. I mean, it's very melodic. It's catchy song. I like the atmosphere, uh, uh, so uh, I think I think Duff does a pretty good job, in my opinion, of kind of capturing Ugh. that kind of lazy, because you know Johnny Thunders is like a real kind of lazy singer too, just like hey, I'm drugged out. Here's the song, and 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 it, it reminds me a little stuff of like the Believe in Me kind of uh, stuff. It, it kind of like sounds like that could be on that album, and uh, I'm not really crazy about his little shout out to Johnny at the end. That sounds kind of like poser shit, but. Um, but, Doesn't he say it in the beginning too, like this yeah. for Johnny? Yeah, I don't, I don't like that shit. I wish he didn't do that, but, but I think it's all right. I think it has, it has, it's one of the few songs on the album that has a bit of a hanging out on the Sunset Strip on a lazy afternoon kind of vibe, drinking beers. Like it just has that vibe, and I think he kind of. It uh, has, I, I, I feel. I, that I don't know. I hear. I, 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 I felt it when Matt Damon said, or Matt Damon, Matt Dillon said it in the outside, let's do it for Johnny. <laughs> that that I felt, but not 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 this one. No, I'd like, this is actually probably my favorite cover on the album. This wow. or the, this or the, uh, the, the, the first song, the doo-wop song. So I think God the wow. Rose maybe just stick to doo-wop and Johnny Thunder's covers. Uh, but, you yeah, know, I don't know. I like it. I don't have a problem with this song. I think wow. this fits Duff singing, but then again, I don't think Johnny Thunders is a good singer to begin with, so it's not like, I don't think Duff, it's not like Glenn Danzig or Iggy Pop, you know? I feel like he can handle doing Johnny Thunders, but, so, so I like this one. It's one of the few ones I like. All right, what uh, do you think, Ralph? Yeah, I, I think this is terrible, but I admit, it did make me go look into the Giants, uh Thunder version, because I was thinking, you know, this song probably is good. It's just like, you know, like most of the time, it's just a crappy cover. And, uh, dude, I heard the original. This was last night at work. And, oh, man, that shit was terrible. I I, I just think somebody else should, like, fucking uh, cover this song and do it properly. I don't know. Somebody, like, I don't know. Old Leather. That's why. Oh, okay. All right, I'll take the next one. All right. I don't, I don't care about you. <laughs> this one is not too bad. <laughs> the guitars do sound more raw than the rest. It doesn't sound so polished. The vocals even sound a little raw. Who sings this? It's Axel, right? Axel. It's Axel. He sounds different, though. Well, yeah, because he sounds... he's, do he's doing a Lee Vig impersonation. He's doing yeah, the same thing very, he did. Very in the... raw. Yeah, very raw. Yeah. He, and, 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 and the drums, well, you can't change that soulless Max song, <laughs> no matter what. 
Uh, but, you know, as far as, like, the rest of this shit, it was like, all right, this this, this piece of shit uh, has a couple couple peanuts in it, you know? That's that's all I could say good about this song. It's it's okay. It's like not as terrible as all these other versions I've been hearing. But it's not something I would go. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to hear that one again. You know, it's like no, no it's, I, I'm not putting the CD on again. I turned this shit off after track one. But there you go. That's what I think. All right, Edward. Wait. Uh, well, you know, Axel, he's not from England, so he shouldn't try to sing like an English person. He's he's also not from Philadelphia, uh, like the, the singer of the fear wa- uh, was. And I'm from Philly, so I know what Philly guys sound like. Uh, he's putting that put-on voice. I don't know. It's it just something that bothers me. I know it doesn't bother rap as much, but it's like the British thing again. Like, he's just trying to sound like this tough Philly guy, and he just, well, that's not Axel. He's from fucking Indiana, and he listened to Nazareth Records growing up. Like, this doesn't... It just sounds like a pose. Like musically, it's it's all right. It still sounds a little too clean. I'm not a big Fear fan, but I do think the Fear version's better. Um, and I just think it's just them trying to sound tough and cool, and Axel's trying to sound punk and like this singer from another band that, from a different city that he's from. I don't know. I just I don't I, like. I I love Fear, man. I love that fucking band. I could, I that try to get awesome. into them. I haven't so much. You know, you um, know but, what you should check out. Uh, it might change your mind. It might make you want to look into them more. Check out Decline of Western Civilization. They they like like Megadeth did in Part Two. They yeah. steal that movie. They steal it from every band. I would like they to watch. Are, it. I've seen the second one a lot, but yeah, because I'm not a big punk guy. But I know they have the it has the Black Flag. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't no, seen no, that it, one. Fear is fucking great in that movie. They're just so fucking like. Like out of control. It's just a lot. Of, that band's fun as fuck. And I have that one. Uh, it's called the album. With uh, I love living in the city. I just love that band. They're just so snotty and with such attitude. One of my and I again, I'm not a big punk fan either. But that's a band that, that I make an exception for. Like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, where I'm very trendy and liking the most two po- popular ones. But I also love the Exploited a lot too. Yeah, I feel I like. The spo- I feel like the Ramones, even though they started punk rock, I feel they kind of, they're not just a punk rock band. I don't know. To me, they're they're rock and roll, you know? Yeah, and they they have a lot of that influence of 50s music that I love, you know? There's a lot of that 50s. uh, What is Phil Spector? Yeah, and the doo-wop. And they had long hair and they wore jackets and, you know, I just... just, they They were just badass. They're just originals. That's the Ramones are just Ramones, and that's the the kind of like Motorhead. They're a group that if you're punk or metal, yeah. you, you can cross oh, definitely, over. Definitely, definitely, they are Motorhead. They're, they come, yeah. they're, they're cut from the same cloth. But I'll give that fear out the the album. I did listen to it once a few years back. I've gotten into a little more hardcore shit over in recent years, so I might like it more now than when I tried it out a few years ago. So I'll I'll give it a shot. Uh, I'm telling you, Decline made me look really into them. Actually. Uh, Fear of the Album kicks ass. Yeah. Uh, I love Fear. I got to meet Lee Ving at a punk show here in New Orleans, and he was so cool, so nice. I actually, I, I, helped, I helped them unload their merch. <laughs> he was a real cool dude, man. I love Fear. This is actually one of the ones I don't mind on this. Uh, of course, you know, nothing's going to come, you know, close to the, the original version. But this one, I gotta say, I don't hate, you know, uh, uh, the wrong band to be covering it at the wrong time. But I don't hate this. I don't think it's 
as soulless as you know ninety nine percent of these covers. Uh, I can't believe Ian and I agree. I know, but but we've all talked about fear, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's another track. Now, now we got to talk about the most controversial track on the album, which Ralph has, but didn't know he had. <laughs> he could yeah. So, so, but, uh, but, uh, but I heard it last night. Oh, okay. you did hear it? Okay. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah. I did, I did my I did my notes at work. I listened to the whole thing on YouTube. Okay, without a doubt, my favorite song on the album. I absolutely love this fucking song. Uh, I really, really dig it, and I think even Vegas Guns and Roses uh, did a sincere cover of this. Uh, and it's just, it's really cool. I mean, I mean, it just, it is cool. And I hate how they, uh, responded to the, uh, you know, all the backlash about this. Cause there, there was a lot of backlash and let's be honest, that's why they did it, you know, yeah. was to, was, uh, you know, to have some controversy, you know, to, to spark something, uh, you know, and there's like, well, who's going to get, you know, the money from this? Is it going to go to uh, victims of Charles Manson's uh, supposed crimes that he never even <laughs> killed anybody? Well, I mean, I'm not saying the murders didn't happen, but you know what I mean? Like, like Charles Manson didn't actually do the murders. Well, that's true. Guy... He, did, he didn't do it. I mean, right, physically, right. he just sent the, the ladies right, out to do it. Right. I mean, he didn't. He did. that's, that's like me, you know, saying to, to actually burn fucking Sammy Hagar fans which I am all in favor of like if anybody listen to this like actually goes out and burns a guy who like you know votes for Trump wears dockers and listens to fucking OU812 I'm all about that that's like awesome great they, they, they might put uh, you in, they're gonna put you in prison and you'll be like the Manson of Van Hagar like you'll have I, the VH thing carved into your forehead I I, I, I I know but you know I'll have cred you know and, <laughs> oh yeah the, the and, Diamond the Diamond Dave got people fucking right <laughs> right and, and, and the chick geek keyboard player from Guns N' Roses will like get rich playing my music yeah <laughs> you know but uh, you know, I gotta I gotta put a disclaimer in front of the show going warning this show is very influential. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but I absolutely love this song. To retards! <laughs> Abba. I like I Abba. Like, I like Abba. Yeah. You have to listen to the uncensored version of this on YouTube to get the I like Abba uh, reference. But uh, I, I absolutely love this fucking song. And if I ever play this piece of shit, which I very rarely do, this is the song that I play. And uh, I, I, I think it shows that Charles Manson was a better songwriter than, you know, uh, Motley Crue. You know, it's a it's good song. Charles, hey, Charles Manson, say what you will about the guy. He, he uh, I think he wrote some good songs. He also wrote a song for uh, the Beach Boys. Uh, Dennis Wilson ended up singing uh, Never Learn Not to Love. 
really cool song, really dark, kind of like this song. It kind of just, it's about, but there's something dark about it, even if you didn't know it was Manson. Uh, there's just something a little creepy about it, and it's cool. It was in one of their uh, late 60s albums where the Beach Boys got a little uh, experimental, kind of psychedelic. Right. And it's a really cool song. And uh, I definitely would recommend if you want to listen, especially if you guys, you know, like the Beatles. It, it's got that kind of vibe where it's kind of sweet, but yet kind of creepy a little bit, which, you know, some of the mid 60s Beatles songs are like that, you know. And it, it's called uh, uh, Never Learn Not to Love. It's kind of an awkward title, but yeah, it's on right. the Beatles album 2020. So they covered it and they changed because Dennis Wilson was hanging out with Manson. Because he liked going to the orgies, <laughs> and and they, they they were hanging out. He was like buddies with Charles Manson for a few months until Manson started to get a little too weird for him. He's like, ah, oh, fuck, okay, I am. The, the scene's going bad, so I'm getting out of here. I fucked enough dirty hippie chicks, now I'm getting right. out of here. That's, that, <laughs> that's how we. That's how we were with Justin Childers. <laughs> but, but he's like, but you know, that, that, that psycho wrote some good songs. I'm going to steal one of his songs. So he takes the song and they cover it. And apparently Dennis Wilson was on, he was on the hit list. If, if Manson and the family didn't get rounded up, you know, by the feds, they, you know, they, the beat, he was on the hit list because he uh, took the song and then changed like some of the lyrics. And so, you know, Charles Manson was like, oh, he's on the shit list. He's on the list. I'll send my angels of death to fuck that guy up. If old. only if only Charles Manson would have co-wrote with Sammy Hagar back then. <laughs> Damn the luck. Because you know, Manson wanted to be a monkey. You know, he tried out to be in the monkey. See, he, he was a failed rock star. You know, it's like Hitler wanted to be an artist. If only they let him be an artist. If only Manson could could have been a monkey. You know, then, you know. Yeah. If if Manson sang on the first Montrose album, I might have liked it. I don't know. You never know. <laughs> He's a good songwriter. Though, I'll say that. Yeah. You know? Good guy wrote a good but, uh, I, I agree. This is this is one of the best things on the album. Could but, be my oh, favorite thing. It's great. Oh, oh yeah, no, 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 great. I, I mean, and really, uh, even even the the Vegas band on this, everybody sounds great. I would much rather hear, uh, you know, weirder covers like this. Like I know you guys like you know the Skyliners cover that I hate, but I would much rather have heard weird covers like this than. Uh, sterile versions of punk rock um, but you know, without, this, a, without a doubt my favorite track what do you think Ralph I I think I've heard this in the past I'm not sure but yesterday was the first time I officially heard it and I gotta say I fucking love it maybe it's because we finally don't have to hear Matt Sorum on drums anymore <laughs> that does definitely he's, help you know he's not bad on bongos they should have got him <laughs> Uh, uh, they should have got another drummer and used Matt as a bongo player instead of that Teddy Zigzag douchebag, whatever his name <laughs> is. Uh, uh, it's a chill tune. Have not heard, you know, and, and, and it made me go check out the Charles Manson version. And let me tell you something. When I heard the Charles Manson version, he killed it. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. That shit sucked. I'm sorry. That was terrible. I hated it. But I like Axel's chill voice on here. So it's so cool, and this this version is way better than the Charles Manson version. Which I don't know if you guys heard it on on YouTube. Yeah, I've heard crack, the Crackles and pops. I yeah. guess it's only been uh, it's only on vinyl. But uh, oh man, that was bad. It's a low quality. Uh, you know, maybe if Manson worked to Phil Spector, you know, or something, maybe it, it would have sounded better. Just to just to cut him some slack. Uh, I will say this for me. This is the only song in this whole album 
that the cover is better than the original. Well, it's funny. This is the song that isn't this the only one all three of us agreed that we liked? I believe so, yeah. yeah so I, I love the fact that the, the only song we like is the Manson hidden track. Yeah. And it's a great, I mean, it's so chill and yeah. so cool. Kind of like loungy, lounge act type shit. Yeah, it's a little like, uh, like you know, like Planet Caravan ending, you know, the, you know, the, the yeah. you know, Pantera album. It's just got yeah, that I, thought. It's know, just so cool. cool. It's just a, a, a cool, chill tune, man. It has a good vibe to it. And I don't, I don't hear millionaires on this song. I just hear something so cool and something that, you know, you wouldn't expect from a band that you've been hearing all these songs from so far on this album. That it yeah. ends with something so. Uh, to me, it sounds very genuine. It doesn't sound forced. It doesn't sound like, hey, look at us trying to be something we're not. I think they, they, they really did nail this song. And I don't know, man. I mean, I. Because I've lived with the Skyliner track uh, longer, that maybe this will be my favorite track if I can. Because I do intend on uh, like ripping this off that CD and putting it in my iPod. Because I don't have Spaghetti Incident in my iPod except for the Skyliner well, tune. Yeah, you know, you know I, I, I think the thing is, is like, uh, you know, it's just it's a good song, uh, period. But, you know, it's not bastardized. You know, none of us have the history because it was like, oh, remember remember when you first marked Charles Manson on vinyl and how it changed <laughs> your life, you know? We don't have that kind of, uh, you know, history with it. Uh, but it is. It's just like a cool, like, 60s kind of AM radio vibe to it. And, uh, and it does. It does sound sincere. But, I mean, let's be realistic. The only reason they covered it is because it's a Charles fucking Manson song. I mean, if this if this was a John Denver fucking song, which it's not that far removed from, uh, you, you know, there'd be no, uh, you know, drama, no controversy. But, you know, they picked a Charles Manson song just to be ironic, don't you think? I, I don't know. I think part of the reason why it does work well, at least I can't speak for the other bands, but I think Axel, you know, he was into the Manson thing at that period. Remember, he wore the Manson shirt in the Estranged video, right? When he right, like but he jumps he, off the aircraft carrier. He he tried he tried to downplay it later, you know, because yeah. it, they they took quite a backlash about this song, and and then they kept saying that it was going to be removed from future versions. Yeah, and just like with. Just yeah. like one, one in a million, and they didn't do that either. Yeah, they said yeah. It be and removed. It, it never and did. It, and it, it never was because this is the curio that makes people buy this album because this is this album. It debuted high, went away quick. Uh, you, you know, this was the end. You, you know, by yeah. by the time this came out, grunge was in full effect, and and Guns and Roses were dead in the water. Um, you know, but this what this was a little like you know controversy that kept their name in the headlines. If they didn't have this song on the fucking album, it would be even more forgotten than it already was. And and as a guy that used to like shop at used record stores and stuff, 
Oh my God! Did you see copies of the Spaghetti Incident? I yeah, mean, it's like I, more copies in like this the Kiss solo album record. Oh yeah! <laughs> I, I I mean everybody like bought this, listened to it once, and sold it. I mean this was not a fucking you know nobody held on to this shit. It's universally hated, and for a reason. I I mean oh my God. And remember, what? and then, then Guns N' Roses, like, the next thing they did was that shit, really shitty cover of Sympathy uh, for the Devil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, they, didn't even, they didn't learn from, like, the mistake of the Spaghetti incident. Like, they just kept doing that. <laughs> you know, and, and Slash said that is the sound of a band breaking up, you know. And uh, and I think he's right, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just horrible. It was, and the, you know, the dream was over with this fucking album. Yeah. 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 Even well, us guys that like to use your illusion, we're like, no, this is shitty. <laughs> yes, even the homosexuals who love use your illusions did not like this album. I'm fucking gay for that album. So although get me wrong, I I do think that they could be a little tighter. They could they they could have lost the covers on that album, and they didn't need to be two don't cries. Uh, so I mean, it's got some fat. I'm not gonna lie, but but I do but I do really like those two albums. But the yeah. difference, I think. The thing is, Usual Illusion, like, they weren't that band anymore that they were when they made Appetite for Destruction. They were now a bigger band, and I feel like that was always a little part of the, the plan, the trajectory of Guns N' Roses. Were well, they it, kind of like Zeppelin or the Stones and to be that kind of bigger band? So I just saw Usual Illusions as kind of ambitious. Like, now we're that bigger band. We're bringing in more instruments. We're doing all their stuff. There still was shit like Perfect Crime. Yeah, and, yeah but but it, it, it was a band that was trying to do it before its time. I mean, you you have to earn legendary status you know you just don't get it handed to you and it seemed like axel was trying to get it handed to him you, you know i mean I, I i love led zeppelin you, you know but they you know they went from led zeppelin one to houses of the holy you know house of the holy wasn't the second record and that's yeah. what guns and roses tried to do you know they well, tried well, well if you look at timeline even though i do agree with you ian it's still the same amount of time from Zeppelin One and House of the Holy. Maybe even less time from Appetite to what was yeah. it? Appetite 87, 88, 89, 90, 91. That's four years. So I think uh, House of the Holy was what, like three years after the yeah. first album? Because people you know, so, the fans knocked shit out back then, you know? They but, but but I but I do agree because, you know, in those four years they only released an E P. So I know what you're saying, Ian. They should build up album wise to get to that point. But I guess since that timeline is pretty much the same they pretty much like skipped over zeppelin 2 and you know or, or gnr 2 and gnr 3 and gnr 4 and went straight to house of the holy you know what right I'm right they yeah. said that like they, they didn't want to like earn their legacy they just wanted to be considered a legend you know and i, I remember the the mtv interview where uh axel was talking about uh use your illusion he's like i just want to bury appetite yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you know i, I just want to bury it you know i'm just like dude uh well you have to do that with better songs you yeah maybe it just knocked out like the way you had led zeppelin too like they should have been an appetite too you know like and, and the way they, there are songs obviously they, they had songs like that were already like you could be mine and stuff that could have been that second album you know that they could have done in like 89 you know right after right. lies and they could have knocked out another one and a lot of it is because axel started to you know become insane <laughs> and become megalomaniac. And, so, and some of those songs that didn't make Appetite shouldn't have made uh, uh, Usually Illusion. Like Back Off Bitch 
That that song is pointless to me, man. It's like, I mean, I'm sure it was good uh, back then, but well, they, you, know, you had yeah, maybe the, the earlier version uh, might have been better. Don't cry was another one, but don't cry. He was like, well, in case appetite doesn't make it, uh, we got that ace in the deck. We got don't cry, and I'm like, I, I don't get it. Man. I never liked that song. No, I like no, I like don't cry. I I uh, think I've been right there, but don't cry, especially the original version. If you ever heard the demo, it's got a lot more feeling to it, I think. Uh, but you got um, you could be mine, don't cry, right there. That's enough to keep the people, the fans listening, like in '89 or '90. You got two, you got two hit songs there, you know, with cool videos, and you know, and then the third, maybe or fourth album would have been like the November Rain, a strange breakdown kind of stuff, you know. So I agree. I, I they probably didn't have, they just needed to just go into the studio, knock out albums, and just do what like bands used to do in the '70s and '60s, you know. And but Axel got, I mean, look, this is the man that took 15 years to record an album. So he yeah, is. but but I mean, all all you need to, if you want a perfect summary of use your illusions, my world. You know, to me that that is like, that's where this motherfucker's head was at. You know yeah. that that's why those albums are a failure. No, my the band world, didn't even know it was on. Like, did you hear that? Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, I know. Is Izzy said he was pissed He's when like, he saw the, the album came out and that was on there. He's like, what the fuck? When you read, it's funny, when you read the uh, that book, and I recommend it, it's a pretty good read, uh, The Watch You Bleed, there's a certain point, about, it pretty much just focuses on Guns N' Roses in the 80s and 90s, you know, to the kind of the dissolution of the original band. The the later parts of the book start feeling like a slasher film in which, like, Axel's, like, the, the killer, he's like Jason, <laughs> and the band members just keep dropping one by one. Uh, Duff's like the final girl, I guess. Uh, and, and it's just, it starts feeling like that. And it starts feeling like, God, Axel, stop killing Guns N' Roses. What are you doing? It was like such yeah. a great band. Until finally, like, Slash is like, oh, fuck you. And finally, even Duff's like, okay, it's done. And it's just like, it, it, it's it's just very sad. And I, I don't think it's because Axel's an, like, quote unquote, asshole. I think that's too, too simplistic. Because Axel obviously, I think, had a lot of mental issues. You know, he, he, and and I think he grew. It's like like a dictator. He grew with like like insane power, and and, and in one ways he's great because I think Axel's like was like one of the last true real rock stars. I mean, you know, strutting down with his big red beard with the Charles Manson shirt on a fucking aircraft carrier, doing his big fucking power battle epic. To me, that's like kind of something you would never ever see again that was like real uh, well yeah that, that that's one thing I'll, I'll give axel to me axel is the last rock star yeah i i mean i honestly agree with that but it's just he tried to become a legend overnight without putting in the work yeah and he got <clears throat> and i think he got drunk with power that's the thing at the time where he just he it wasn't a band anymore you know led zeppelin was a band even though jimmy page was the leader he he had respect for the other band you know right you uh, know. there's just was not that you know mick and keith had respect and charlie watts like at least the three of them the others could they didn't right. care about but at Ax least you had three Axel members there that were tight yeah. axel thought he was like paul mccartney or john lennon but in reality he's pretty much like phil lewis you know, and and that's that's how I view Guns N' Roses in his in history. Like to me, there's not much difference from Guns N' Roses than L.A. Guns or Faster Pussycat or Dokken. I mean, yeah, they are the most popular. But if you look at music, to me, they're no more adventurous or like fucking you know, uh, trend setting 
than those bands. They just got picked, you know, to be the it band. I think the last rock star was David Lee Roth. I, I feel Axl Rose is more of a... I mean, he was a good guy, a good front man. I'm not saying he's, he was bad, but... There was, I don't know, man. I mean, seeing Guns N' Roses, it's like... I don't, I don't get the same charge. Like to me, it's like I think of, when I think of rock stars, I think of Bon Scott, Mick Jagger, uh, you know, and uh, David Lee Roth. You know, Axl Rose to me was like pre-grunge. Well, you know, he, he was, he was like a, a bitter fuck. Well, I, 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 I kind of agree in a way, but I mean, I can't sit here and lie that there wasn't like a danger about original Guns N' Roses. Like, remember when the when the St. Louis riot happened? You know, like, my my buddy, I you know, I went to, uh, I saw the second show of the Use Your Illusions tour, which started before the album even came out. And uh, my buddy didn't make that show, but he was supposed to see a show in Chicago. They got canceled because of the St. Louis riots. I mean, there was this danger about them even though a lot of it was manufactured, you know, but it's just like, oh my God, you know, it was, it just seemed like it all could fall apart at any second. And there's an attraction to that, to that, you know, it's like, oh yeah, this is danger, you know, but I, I, I think, you know, all that shit overshadowed the actual music, you know, it, it you know, it totally sums up what I think of, of Tommy Lee. The legend of Tommy Lee is much more exciting than actual Tommy Lee. And I think that's the same thing about Guns N' Roses. But you're right. Da- right. Yeah. David Lee Roth was the real deal. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about an entertainer. Uh, you know, uh, Axel was kind of... I'm telling you, he, in a lot of ways, he was very uh, Eddie Vedder. You know, very pissed off at, you know. I remember seeing some footage of him going, yeah, I see everybody like, Axel, cocaine, rock and roll, dude. Yeah, he you know, did a lot of shit. I'm not about that. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh, shut, stop whining, you fucking quadrillionaire. You can't, you know, you, you, like 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 Edwin was saying, you were sleeping outside of a fucking record store, and now you're fucking owning, a, like, you know, mansions everywhere, and you're complaining? Oh, man. Oh, that's that's grunge right there. Well, you know? When I when I saw him, like I said, it was this the second show of the Use Your Illusions tour, and this is when Axel's like you know postponing coming out on stage, and it was at Alpine Valley, Wisconsin, and it was bad weather. It was a cold rain. All these people are sitting out there freezing to death. Uh, fucking Skid Row played, and then it was like two hours before they came on stage. I distinctly remember they played Chili Peppers' Mother's Milk in its entirety twice, plus other music, you know, while we're waiting for Guns N' Roses to come out. And then, like, right during the second song, somebody threw a firecracker and and Axel threatened to stop this show. It's like, really? After you just made us wait, you know, over two fucking hours... Now you're going to throw a fucking shit because somebody threw a fucking firecracker? Fuck you. You know, it's like, 
he was already building, like, you know, you just wanted to hate this asshole. Because, like, just shut up and play the fucking songs, you know? He, he, he chastised the audience. It was like the teacher, the schoolmaster. <laughs> yeah. But we all we all have to admit, admit, the guy did a complete 360. He's always on time now. He is a pro and, now. And he doesn't whine on stage anymore, so... I think maybe ACDC did him well, so good. Well, I, I, I'll tell you this. I would much, much, much rather hear an ACDC album with Axl Rose singing than a new Gun oh, yeah. Rose album. Hell yeah. Amen Be- to that. Because I agree with that, too. And, and I love Brian Johnson, and I was initially really oh, upset yeah. against Axl singing for, Guns and, uh, for ACDC, but... You know, I think he did do a good job. And ultimately, I mean, it, with an ACDC album, at least you're going to hear Axel just singing straight up hard rock songs. And a complete, complete professional. Yeah. It was, I, I saw that tour and it was the Angus Young show like it's always been. He stayed, he stayed, he knew his place. He, he went up to the front of the stage when it was appropriate. He wasn't acting like a fucking rock star. He was a complete professional and he sang his fucking ass off that dude you know you know you're good when you have people that cannot stand axel rose say holy fuck he sounds good in acdc you know i mean i have people that are pure acts of course you're gonna have your people that you know like we were talking about earlier about monster you know no matter what they're gonna hate them just like you know the new metallic album no matter what you're gonna hate the new metallic album that shit came out after master of puppets believe me it'd be a different reaction but there were people that actually genuinely cannot stand Axel's voice, hate Guns N' Roses, and saw those clips on YouTube and said, dude, holy shit, he actually sounds good in this band. Where if you if you do a timeline search on, on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, Ian and I called it. We both called it. Because when they first announced him, both Ian and I said, dude, this has a potential to be really good because yep. I can totally hear Axel do those songs, you know? And and then when I heard him do it, I was like, dude, this is even better than I expected. But I thought he could pull it off, but not as good as he did, you know? All right. Well, this album did debut number four on the U.S. Uh, charts and went platinum, but it went nowhere near as far as the sales of all their previous albums. And would be, you know, the last thing you heard from Guns N' Roses for many years until, you know, the live album in the late 90s and then, of course, Chinese Democracy. But to me, this is a definitely Jump the Shark moment. Uh, Produced by Mike Clint, Guns N' Roses, Duff, and Jim Mitchell. Uh, Funny, I'm looking at all the reviews for this album and all music gave two stars. Robert Cousteau, who's like notoriously hard on people, gave it an A minus. Entertainment Weekly gave it an A minus. English Magazine NME gave it a seven out of ten. Q gave it a three out of five. Rolling Stone gave it a four or three and a half out of five, and Spin gave it a positive review. And I just find that like. Wow, these people were just listening to the controversy, not the album. Because this, or maybe it was Payola. Yeah, this, this this is a shit, and especially like the 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 one like, and I don't normally agree with a lot of rock critic critics, but Robert Christow to give this an A minus, I'm like, wow, wow, as critical as he is on other artists, 
I, I cannot believe that. I totally see an example of payola there. But, uh, yeah, we all agree this is the Fonzie Jump the Shark uh, Guns N' Roses that we knew and loved was dead by now. Uh, yeah, I, I thank you, Edwin, for, for picking this album because it, it did. I mean, obviously, we've been recording for hours. There's a lot to talk about uh, that, that is much more interesting than the album. Yeah, but, and wait to and everybody listening now. There will be this is heavily edited, but there will be a YouTube exclusive unedited version. Uh, <laughs> Edwin, uh, why don't you tell us your pick of the week? Uh, I don't know if you picked this before or not because I know it was your first Overkill album, but it feels appropriate with this episode because you know we're dealing with a really shitty cover album, and like we said that normally cover albums usually are kind of shitty there's a few you know here and there they're all right but this is one that i think is really great it's a overkill 1999 cover kill and this to me is like everything the spaghetti incident did wrong they do right and it's just a no nonsense we didn't overthink it a band actually playing music that really influenced them because they actually were influenced by punk overkill plus thrash and plus just 70s you know hard rock and heavy metal and, you know, they come right out of the gate doing a Motorhead's Overkill, a live version of that. Uh, you know, they do the Pistols. They do they do three Sabbath songs, which I just think is cool. They're like, just, oh, fuck it. We love Sabbath. Let's just Jethro Toll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do they do Kiss. They do a cool version of Deuce. Uh, and it's weird because at first, one of the three uh, Sabbath songs is Changes. And I was just like, oh, why do they do Changes, you know? And, I mean, it just doesn't seem like a song Overkill should do. But then when you hear it, you, like, totally get why they did it they totally changed it it's dd's Dee bass like plays the piano line and and bobby sings the hell out of it it's beautiful yeah. i really yeah. love this version of changes all right my pick of the week is something again like you did with this uh, uh, uh this is connected to the album as well but mine is uh nazareth hair of the dog uh an amazing fucking album miss misery which overkill does an amazing cover of uh, songs like Don't Judas Me, Whiskey Drinking Woman. And I'm sorry, I like Love Hurts. I, I love Dan McCafferty's voice. And uh, Beggar's Day. Yeah, I like uh, too. I love every with, song on that album. Is that their best with, album? Because that's the only one of theirs I do have. It, it's it's my favorite. Though not, not close enough to rock and roll. It's pretty close too to it. That's a, another amazing fucking album. But that, yeah, I'd say Hair of the Dog. And I guess it's their most popular one too. But uh, I love it. Yeah, and I'm a big Nazareth fan. I own all that 70s shit. And uh, this one would be my favorite, you know. Uh, so that's my pick of the week, Hair of the Dog by Nazareth. I would, I would, like, I would like to check that. I have it, but I, I, I've I, never listened to it as an album. I, gar- I guarantee you, Ian, you're going to fuck oh, it. Oh, you'll I, love I, it. It's great. And I know your taste. I know your taste. And I know you hate a lot of shit I, lo- I, I love. But I think this is one we're going to agree with. Well, I will definitely check that out. Uh, Heavy, heavy album. My pick of the week is, uh, you know, I kind of followed what Edwin did. Uh, I picked a cover album that I absolutely loved. And I know a lot of fans are split on it. But I found it very sincere and very entertaining. And that is the Rush cover album, Feedback. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, like they cover Summertime Blues. I like uh, The Seeker on there. Oh, God, great version. They do uh, Heart Full of Soul by the Yardbirds, For What It's Worth by uh, uh, Buffalo Springfield, Seeker by The Who, Mr. Soul by Neil Young, uh, Seven and Seven Is by Love. 
uh, Shape of Things, uh, Yardbirds, Crossroads by Cream. I, I saw Rush. They, they released this right before they did the 30th anniversary tour. And I saw that 30th anniversary tour in Tampa. In the opposite of, of Spaghetti Incident, you feel the heart and the love in every one of the covers. You know, from that point, it's just up to whether or not you like the song. But the sincerity and the love and the admiration is all there. And that's why I, I think it, it's, uh, you know, it succeeds where a lot of cover albums fail. Because it just, it has that heart. So that is my pick of the week. And then we go into Fan of the Week, and the Fan of the Week is here. And Edwin, thank you so much, uh, you know, for for donating for this, for picking an album that is definitely, uh, you know, the episode is better than the album, but you wisely chose something that we could debate, that we could talk about, and uh, a very wise selection. And just, you know, tell everybody about how you came to the show and, and why you're still here. Cool. Yeah, definitely. And thank you. It was really great doing this. It was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, and uh, I came originally, it was, I just kind of staggered onto YouTube one afternoon. And I was having a few beers and, and like, you know, Kiss is a band that like a lot of people don't really take seriously. Like, you know, not from the critical elite or stuff. But I'm like the type of guy to kind of, I mean, yeah, I mean, Kiss is funny. I mean, I laugh my ass off when you do the Paul Stanley impersonation. Like, you got to have a sense of humor about Kiss. If you don't have a sense of humor about Kiss, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. But if you don't have a sense of humor about Kiss, you attack Ralph on the almost human. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I just don't get because, like, you, you gotta have a sense. But at the same time, I think they really wrote a lot of amazing music. I, in a weird way, I think they're like one of the most overrated big bands in a way. I mean, underrated, like overrated bands in a way. In the sense, I, I so, feel Paul Stanley is an extremely underrated songwriter. Yes, he is. A, as far as good pop rock songs, he's a gift Come On and Love Me is as good as anything out there. Yeah, they have that Lennon-McCartney influence. I think they really yeah, know how to write a really catchy three-minute song. And, you know, you know, Gene might have troubles writing a bridge, but, you know, you can write a catchy chorus. Uh, and I think Ace is a good songwriter, and they all had really cool voices. Uh, you know, I, I think they're, and they did so many different things, like even like in the late set, I like the early stuff the best, like, you know, Hotter in Hell and like Dress to Kill. But, you know, Dynasty, I love that shit and all that stuff. So I, I really got into Kiss. And, you know, in over the years, you know, I was always kind of looking to see if other people kind of thought about them the way I did. And so I was just like Kiss Reviews and I typed Kiss Reviews on YouTube. And, you know, sure enough, there was Ralph. And I watched his reviews. I really liked them. And like we had a lot of the same thoughts on a lot of the albums. And then I, you know, went to the About Human page. And then from there, I, I discovered the podcast. I think I've been listening for like two years now. It's kind of a Monday ritual. Normally I listen to it Monday morning. And, you know, well, you know, and uh, just, yeah, it's great. You guys, you know, you've heard it all before. It's not just the, the music. You guys got that, like, almost early Howard Stern quality, you know, where, you know, I just like hearing you guys say nasty shit <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, and talk about, you know, a lot of albums I love. Plus, there have been bands, like some bands that I admit that I never really got so into, uh, like Blue Oyster Cult. You got me really into Blue Oyster Cult. You got me nice. Thin Lizzy. Like, I only had their greatest hits in... I always thought they were kind of mediocre because I didn't think the greatest hitch was that great. And then when I actually started listening to the albums and hearing the deep cuts, I was like, no, Thin Lizzy's great. And like now I get them. And like th that was a band. I know you don't like them, but rap got me in the REO Speedwagon. So there was a lot of, uh, like I would say, second tier 
bands like from the 70s that I never really listened to. Um, I already was a Cheap Trick fan, but you guys did help kind of kick it to the next level, you know? So uh, so not only do I enjoy listening to your shows, you turned me on to a lot of uh, really cool music too. So, you know, that's great. Nice. And I want to thank you for that, guys. All right, cool, man. You know, you, you mentioned uh, Paul Stanley's a great songwriter. Gene Simmons is a great songwriter. Ace Frehley's a great songwriter, but what you refused to mention was Peter Chris knows a lot of great songwriters. <laughs> it's true. He, a lot, a, a couple of people helped him write a Beth and a producer. <laughs> that, yeah. But yeah, and and Hard Luck Woman that Paul Stanley guy wrote that one. Yeah, yeah, but you know, All right. great voice. You know, you can't take that away from him. And my favorite voice in Kiss is Peter yeah. by far. Yeah. So is Gene Simmons, by the way. He thinks Peter's actually great. Gene, Gene's actually my favorite voice, but Peter is great. You know, but I love Gene's voice too. I mean, yeah, I would put Gene at number two, and I love Paul Stanley's voice. Don't get me wrong, but I like that girl, got her all. Yeah, voice. yeah, it just has that edge. All right, man. So uh, before I die of starvation here, why don't we go into the plugs? Yeah, let's do it. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern, The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it, don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast. Starring Luke Innes, Greg Sims Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. 
We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this fucking spaghetti incident fucking episode, which, oh, my God, I don't, the episode is way better than them, come back next week when another awesome super fan, just like Edwin, picks his album he wants us to review. What's it going to be? We don't even know yet, but we know one way or another it's going to be entertaining. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. You know I shaved this morning, and after we're done with the show, I need another shave. <laughs> That's how long we've been on. I got to eat something. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> the, you, the, you, the YouTube exclusive four-hour episode in the future. Yes. Awesome. All right. Guys. All right. A great, great episode. Great, yeah, great, great episode, Edwin. Okay. It was really fun, guys. Later. Yeah. All right. Later, man. Talk to y'all later. 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 later.